Hey everybody, welcome to the Third Line Plugs Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, not from the Tropical Metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, but sitting right next to me is Mr. Tim Jensey. Tim, how's it going, man? Do I have a story for you guys? So, we're just sitting here, recording, in the studio, and Tay's like, oh, yep, that's good, let's wrap that up, and he just does something magical. Tay, what did you do? Okay, so, Tim's right, so we're sitting here on the couch, we recorded the first half of this episode already. No, that's like the first two-thirds. You're right, two-thirds. We said, okay... Yeah, I'm going to export this file on my laptop, and then we'll get into the games. I accidentally deleted it. <laughs> Seven years of doing this podcast, this has never happened one time. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my god. You know what's wild? I have listened to a podcast where they did that. The audio engineer is just like, he's, the worst thing is they had recorded the entire episode. Yeah. And he was doing his editing, and then he accidentally pressed the delete all tracks button. So, they recorded an entire episode. He had done all the editing, and then he deleted it. Dude, I swear, if that had happened to me, if I had recorded this whole episode, edited it, had everything ready to go, and I deleted it, I would have been so pissed. I would have been so mad at myself. Like... Seven years we've been doing this podcast. I don't... This is the only time this has ever happened. I am so lucky that when I do Wild Wild Weiss and I use a Discord bot to capture the audio, the robot has a seven-day archive of the raw. This is the thing. We always do this through (laughs) Zoom and Zoom always records it. That's incredible. It is incredible, man. But not as incredible as our cover athlete for today's episode, Season 7, Episode 11, in chronological order, Episode 161, the Sylvan Turgeon episode. So, just a little background on Sylvan Turgeon. He was selected second overall by the Hartford Whalers in 1983, played 12 seasons of the NHL with the Hartford Whalers, New Jersey Devils, Montreal Canadiens, and the expansion Ottawa Senators, where he would spend three seasons with the team, recording 47 goals, 41 assists for 88 points, and 152 games. So what is really incredible about Sylvain Turgeon is that... He would never have deleted a podcast. He, he would never deleted a podcast. <laughs> You're really going at it this time. But <sighs> just, just say, get it the way. guy has been completely overlooked by his brother's career despite having multiple 40-goal seasons. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Sylvain Turgeon... When I think of the name Turgeon, Pierre's the first one to come up. Oh, for sure. Like, he definitely has Henry Richard vibes. Because think of it, Henry Richard won 11 Stanley Cups with the Montreal Canadiens, and he's still referred to as Maurice's younger brother. Yeah, and literally nobody cares. Yeah. I have Sylvain Turgeon's card from the Senators at home somewhere. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's lit, buddy. That's lit. Actually, you know what's funny? In the office, there's a big box of hockey cards in there. So there it is an Ottawa Senators expansion year checklist. Guess who's on the front of the card? Turgeon? Peter Sidorkowitz. It is <laughs> one of the goats of all time. Absolute sense goat. And you know what's funny? They were teammates in Hartford. That's funny. That is funny. But you know what? Sylvain Turgeon, I mean, very good career. 
all-rookie team. But I think when Sylvain Tershawn's name comes up, people immediately think of him for one thing in particular. So there was a hockey card when he was a senator against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh-huh. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because there was a blonde-haired kid in the front row in a Sabre jersey. Okay. Who is it? That kid turned out to be Patrick Kane. <laughs> what? There is a... Ro- yes. It's a very famous picture. Patrick Kane is on a Sylvain Turgeon Ottawa Senators card. I gotta see this because that has the same vibes as that one New York Knicks card. Look at this. Where First thing comes up. Sylvain Turgeon. Patrick Kane. Yeah, like, there he is. Look at that. Amazing. Yeah, like, that reminds me of Mark Mark Johnson when he was on the on the Knicks. The player was not famous. I think he was a, he was a good player, but wasn't famous. He one of his cards is famous because in the background of the photo, courtside are these two teenagers. The teenagers had killed their parents, taken their money, and used it to buy courtside tickets. And that just happened to be the game where this guy's photo was taken. That level of energy. Oh yeah. And you know, yeah, so you see there he is right there in the corner with his dad. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And look at the two Sabres. The late Dale Harshuck and Shemangus BC's own Doug Bodger. And the only thing people remember from this card is Patrick, is Patrick child Patrick Kane. Isn't, that's incredible. He was six, by the way, according to six. this. Okay. But, uh, yeah, like, Sylvain Turgeon is a great player, and it, it must be so weird having this good... But kind of undersold career. This, we're talking about guys like first all-star, all-rookie team, what have you. And to end on a team that was designed to lose. Yep. Where you also get the beautiful meme of Ottawa apologizes. Yeah. For those who may not know, the YouTuber shit, sp- shit poster, Urinating Tree, did a whole video on the Ottawa Senators 1992 expansion team. And the reason why it became legendary is because our expansion general manager who got fired after the year by the way he had this thing called a laptop never heard of it never heard of it i think it might have migrated into a zap into one of those uh xerox machines oh faxer a faxer machine yeah remember those those are beautiful japan loves them oh they were so good and so he had all of his data all of his information everything for the draft they forgot to charge it so at the table, the outlets didn't work. So they're stra- scrambling trying to find it. So every time that Mel Bridgman went up to make a pick, he didn't know if the thing was going to be valid. Incredible. Yes. So he would find out, like he would, he took Todd Ewan from Montreal. Later found out. Tampa Bay took somebody from Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was ineligible. It's a it's a great video about that. But yes, yeah, Sylvain that's basically what his career boiled down to. Is a six-year-old Patrick Kane. And Ottawa apologizes. Yes. But we've talked we've talked about this in the past, and I think with Lori Boschman and Bruce Firestone both being on the show, Lori, I believe was I can't remember if it was him or Bruce were on a podcast and somebody asked, I think it was Bruce Ferris. Bruce was on a podcast and Lori Boschman asked him, 
So what is your goals for this team this year? Because, you know, they were an expansion team. Yeah. First game. This is like opening night before they go on the ice. Bruce Firestone says, my goal is to for you guys to win nine games. Or I think it was like 28 points or something. Yeah. And he says, well, that's okay. Why is that, Bruce? He says, because the expansion Washington Capitals won eight. And he didn't <laughs> want them to be worse than that team. Dang. <laughs> so good. But not as good as our cover athlete for next week's episode, Tim. Season 7, episode 12, A Chronological Order, episode 162, the one and only Eric Greiba. Yeah. You know that episode's just going to devolve into the Lars Eller hit. It is. Or the fact that he wore the Canadian tuxedo at one of his teammates' weddings. That's going to be a good time. Well, the fact is, like, I've never been to a wedding in Alberta or Saskatchewan. I've been to wedding dances. Everybody dresses like that. And I went there in a sort of nice button-up shirt and some pants. I felt so out of place. I actually, there was somebody at the dance that saw me with my spiky hair and my piercings that asked me, they thought I looked like the drummer from Good Charlotte. Good Charlotte? They said I looked like a pop-punk drummer. And I was like... I don't know if that's an insult or not. I don't know. Honestly, fair. At best, I might be... Because my hair was short and spiky at the time. They could have... If they had told me I looked like the lead singer from Yellow Card, that's an insult. I forgot Yellow Card existed. Dude, their record... What was it? Ocean Avenue or whatever? That turned 20. Don't speak such evil into this world. Let's move on to the next segment. Yes. You and your, and your lovely wife, Chelsea, here on Vancouver Island with us. How's your holidays been going? Man? It's been great. We deleted a podcast. Outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, pretty low-key. That's great. That's good. I love the fact that, because Katrina and I were at your mom and dad's place for Boxing Day. And you have to understand, your mom, no, your mom, I believe, does not drink. Not no. really. Uh, a bit, but not much, yeah. Yeah. I've never known Mrs. Jesse to be a drinker. Your dad, apparently, from what you've said... Could have could be a bit of a drinker. Yeah. So your mom and dad made the punch for everybody. Yeah. And they had champagne. Yep. Your dad cut out the middleman and just started drinking the champagne. <laughs> to yeah, the point right. where your mom is in the kitchen cooking, she sees your dad pouring it, and, she, and all I hear is, Phil, will you stop drinking the mix? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds about right. And you know what's hilarious? It, it was that tone that she used. Your mom has used that a couple times on me in the past. Did you deserve it? Uh, That's a yes. Probably. I mean, we weren't, we weren't bad kids at all. No, we didn't. Mr. McCloverty may argue that. As a group, we were awful. No. As a group, it was only a handful of us. That was Dylan. Oh, Dylan was fine. Dylan was fine. It was Jacob... Well, let's not name names. Oh, I want to name names. No, no, we're not naming names. Yeah, as a group, we were we were a bunch of pain in the asses. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what, though? We had a good time. We had a good time. We did have a good time. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my holidays. So it was a busy holidays. I mean, just seeing everybody, seeing yourself and jealousy, all the good stuff. The one thing that we did get a chance to do, Katrina's sister and brother-in-law came over from the mainland. So we went for dinner with them the other night. 
And we went to the steakhouse in the Nano called the Bold Knight. So the Bold Knight has been around, I think, 45, 50 years. Okay? It's, yep. been, it's been around forever. And I've o- I got from the island in the Nanaimo. I've driven past it so many times, it's never been open. So I immediately think. Is this place open? Is that place even open? Is it one of those things where it's like, did they just close that down and they never reopened? Or what? And I found out they've been open for years. They just opened at 4 o'clock. So Katrina and I went to Costco one night. We drove past and there was cars everywhere. Which is a good sign. I always live, and I say this to you, I live by the model my dad always says, if you go by a restaurant and there's no parking and a line out the door, the food's amazing. Yeah. You've lived in Calgary. You live in Toronto. lived in Ottawa. You could agree with this, Yeah, right? and like I visited LA, visited Boston, visited big cities, right? Yeah. That's a great oh, way to yeah. know where the locals are going, right? So we go there, and I make the reservation. We go. We got there at 6 o'clock, or just, just a little before 6 o'clock. We go in. We sit down. Katrina's sister and brother-in-law show up just shortly after us, so we sit down. Take a guess when we eventually got our food. 7.45. 7.30. We did not order anything. We did not order an Appies. We did not do that. We ordered our drinks. The drinks took them roughly 40 minutes. That's incredible. And it was not busy. Like, yeah, they had a couple of reservation tables. Not super big. But it's wild to me that this... You're saying to me, like, this is the only real steakhouse in Nanaimo. Yeah, because they used to have a keg that shut down. This other place showed up. That shut down, and now it's just the bull night. Yeah, and Nanaimo is a city of like 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. You'd think it would have a place you could get a professionally done steak, and you're telling me, nah, you got to drive to Duncan. Like, that's dire. And even Duncan doesn't really have a steakhouse. No, but... We have, like, a Mr. Mike's. And you have a place, and, like, Just Jake's and places do a good steak. And I don't think Nanaimo even has that. Which is dire. And, like, Duncan's a small town with a surprisingly decent food scene. Because even Victoria has, like, a good... Like, they have a good surf and turf place. Like, Finn's Chops on the water. That's fantastic. Oh, uh, Wharf Street. Beautiful. And uh, there's a few good ones by Cedar Hill Cross as well. So it's, like... It's really surprising to me that Nanaimo, Nanaimo's food scene's kind of dire like that. Because the only good restaurant I can think of in Nanaimo is Gina's Mexican Cafe. I've been to Gina's. And that's one restaurant. Yeah. Actually, there was an all right place Chelsea and I stopped in for like happy hour when we're randomly walking around the harbor in Nanaimo. That's like right by the float planes. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was called, but it was all right. Well, I guess it was more like, aha, I'm eating in the harbor. This is kind of neat. I don't remember if... Actually, the calamari was all right. But yeah, it's not like I got food food there. Yeah. You just kind of got like an happy. Yeah. Which, by the way, sidebar, Appy should not be that fucking expensive. How much did you pay? Like, 18 bucks? No, like, uh, Matt and Delina, they ordered uh, mushroom caps with squid, or whatever kind of fish was on top, and a French onion soup. I think they paid, like, $16. I looked at that, and I was like, no. That's just what that's... That's just what restaurants are charging nowadays. Yeah. Well, even, like, nachos. I do not consider nachos an appetite. Really? Nachos to me, especially, it depends on where you go. You get like the big, big nacho plates. That's a whole meal. 
okay, yeah, but those, they're supposed to be shared. They're tapas. Yes. But yeah, like, come on. Like, a nacho shouldn't be more than 20 bucks. You get, like, a plate, you throw some chips on, you layer the cheese, maybe a little more, more or less lovingly, depending how, how nacho you're feeling that day. But, like, homie, I can whip together nachos in, like, three minutes in my basement. I yep. do it in my underwear. Yes. I'm not paying what, more than $20 for nachos. Buddy, you're going to be a dad. That's just the dad move. What? Like, oh. Cooking food in your underwear. My, yeah, my daughter's hungry. I'm going to throw I'm going to throw chips on a plate, put some cheese on it, and call myself J.B. Oliver. I'm going to have a tea fowl ad. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. All I mean, right, let's at, go. At, at worst, you would be Gordon Ramsay and you just yell at everybody. I don't think I could be the angry dad. No. That sounds like a sitcom name, doesn't it? Sick dad. What? Angry dad? Angry dad, yeah. Wait, that was a Simpsons show. That was a Simpsons. I was thinking, I'm like, why is that ringing a bell? Yeah, that was a Simpsons joke, yeah. Oh, no. Am I just that kid that hangs out with butters screaming the Simpsons did it? Simpsons did it. Yeah. Add that onto the things that just... 31, I can't be doing this. Okay, can I just add one thing from the... Deleted The infamous deleted episode you mentioned about... Because we were talking about this, and you said, what was it? You, we did our we did our segue, yeah. And I'm like, oh man, you just really dabbed on that segue. I'm like, is this what I talk like? <laughs> and there was, oh, I'm sad that got lost because that was actually just like a flawed meltdown, buddy. That was such a flawless segue too. Just like this one, almost, buddy, almost. But I want to. I just want to quickly finish what I'm talking about with the bold night. So, we order our food. Eventually, it comes to us. I ate it. It was, it was all right. But the the interior, this is the way to describe this. This place looks like it has not been renovated since 1978. Which, honestly, that's a mood. There's a place in Calgary that looks just like that, Nick's. But yeah. they keep it clean. Yeah, and for the fairness, they kept the place clean, but there had a bit of a must to it. Maybe because it was the first night they reeled. Yeah. But you, but that's like, it was just like, there was a must in the store and a bit of a draft. Yeah. And I was like, like Katrina had her hoodie on. She did not take it off. She's like, it's actually cold in here. I mean, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, uh, it was bold of you to go to the bold night. Buddy, it was, it was bold of me, but not as bold as the segue into this little segment I like to call. Top of the hour. Yo. That was a pretty good one. It was not bad. I I mean... The original one was better. I mean, I think it's also because of a little breakdown that came with it. Yeah. And then I just stole the intro of the story. Although your dad voice was great. What do you mean? You're just like, oh, oh, how are you going there, kids? How are you doing there, kids? Ah, are you gamer... Are you gamers ready for this? The Pittsburgh Penguins captain, Sidney Crosby, gets that winner, winner, chicken dinner and moves past Mark Recchi for 13th on the all-time points list. And get ready for this chat at 1,535. Like, it just sounds so much less impressive when you introduce <laughs> it like that, doesn't it? It really does. The only thing it can be very is, yo, him doing this, that was very lit of him. Oh, absolutely lit. Famalamal. Famalamal ding dong. <laughs> if Boston listens to this, he's just gonna be like, 
He did what? <laughs> like, brand eviscerated. Yeah. But you know what, though? I mean, talking about Sidney Crosby with this record, the thing that really surprises me, it's something you brought up in the deleted episode, was that you always associate Mark Recchi with being a good player, and then you realize he has 1,500 points and three Stanley Cups. Yeah, because I was always like, yeah, Mark Recchi's great. I'm going to trade for him in NHL. What? He has 1,500 points? Really? And what's incredible about his three cups is his first one came in the 90s with Mario Yager. His second one came with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. And then his last one was in his final season with Boston. And it's just like the guy, he had a really good final season too. He did. Where he had 14 points in 25 playoff games. Oh my god. I know, but you know what, though? The like, thing that really surprises me about this with Crosby moving this record, they were teammates in Crosby's first year. And then he just fucks off to, to Carolina. Carolina which, is, which I think the Hurricanes traded for him. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. He was teammates with Sidney Crosby. It was, but you know what, though? If you ever want to see some names, look at the 2005... 2006, Pittsburgh Penguins, and you see some of the names. The credit to the Penguins in the way that Chicago tried to surround Bedard with, like, Taylor Hall, Corey Perry, you know, before everything went sideways with Perry. Some of the names they brought in. They brought in some players to try and surround the young kid. The Penguins tried to do this. And, like, well, yeah, we have, like, Sergei Gonchar, John LeClaire. Zygmunt Palfi, right? Ryan Whitney. Yeah, like, just some names. Yeah, and it's just, that team wasn't good. But then again, you had, like, I think your goaltend, you had Marc-Andre Fleury, Sebastian Caron, and Jocelyn Thiebaud. Oh, Thiebaud, I remember him. What a, what a name. Yo, you know what's hilarious? I'm just looking at Mark Recchi. Okay, so Recchi... Went from being a Penguin, traded to Carolina, wins a cup, re-signs in Pittsburgh the next year. And then, like, he gets traded to Atlanta. Yeah. In the year they make the final. Sorry, no, he got claimed off waivers by Atlanta. Mark Recchi got waived. Yeah. And he goes to Carolina, or uh, goes to Atlanta. Yeah, and then he ends up in Tampa. Boston gets him. And wins a third cup. And wins a third cup. What a career. What a career. What a career for Mark Recchi and Sidney Crosby. But also, what a great career for our next guy, Detroit Red Wings forward, Alex DeBrinkett, who recorded his 400th career point during the team's game versus the Anaheim Ducks. I don't like this. But mostly it's like, DeBrinkett and Kane have been very strong. The team hasn't. The team has just crumbled. Yeah. It's like that meme. You might have seen it. It's like there's a Bugatti Bugatti in the the driveway of a trailer. That very much is the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, pretty much. Like, Debrinket's been good. Like, the points have been there, but man, Detroit has not. And honestly, at the beginning of the season... Every analyst and their mom said that one of the three teams knocking at the door in the Atlantic last season, Buffalo, Ottawa, or Detroit, was going to make it. Everyone saw Detroit as the weakest. Detroit was very strong out of the gate, but 
they were riding percentages. Yeah. And Matt, I think they're the only team worse than Ottawa in the recent... Sorry. Let me not be too strong here. San Jose exists. Yeah, they don't even have 10 wins. So you only have 10 wins. Like, they... Detroit has been worse than Ottawa. You know what's hilarious? In this last stretch. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I was reading this thing on Instagram. Actually, I'll, I'll quickly bring this up. Because I gotta say, do you want to talk about the Detroit Pistons right now? Let's hold that thought for a second because, like, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit, these three teams that are supposed to make the jump have all been awful. Yes. Like, Buffalo's legitimately surprised me. Ottawa's been dealing with pretty funky injuries Mm -hmm. and just a weird situation with the team just just kind of falling apart the coaching not being able to bring them back and Detroit I think they're playing to what the team is to the point where all three of these teams have a worse win percentage than Montreal yeah and Montreal was supposed to be bad this year but Sam Montembeau has been dragging them to respectability yeah and he got a nice little contract for his which we didn't talk about, I think, last no. episode. But it's like, I'm su- I'm surprised that all three of these teams just hit it so hard this year. Man, being a Detroit fan must be suffering right now. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, so this post here, worst single season record since 2000 in all four major North American sports. Now, keep in mind, when I say this, you're talking about a city that not only won two Stanley Cups, they won an NBA championship. And they just won their first division title in 30 years. The other day. Right? Yeah. Okay. Here are the worst single season records since 2000. By the way, these are all Detroit teams on this list. The 2008 Lions who went undefeated. There's an asterisk I'm going to put there because the Cleveland Browns also went 0-16, but they did it with more oof. The 2003 Detroit Tigers, who went 43-19. Remember how you put the comment, we were talking about sports teams you don't need an opinion on? You mentioned the Detroit Tigers. I also, for the NBA, I mentioned the Detroit Pistons, and man... They've given us a reason to care about them this season. Yes. Who, by the way, are on pace to win five games. Five and 77 is their total record right now as on pace. And for the NHL, the 2019 Detroit Red Wings, who went 17-49-5. Let's talk about these 23 Detroit Pistons with a record. A single. Their current record is 2-29. and 29. They have lost 28 in a row. This is the tied for the worst losing streak in any North American North sports league. Yep. And you have to include teams like the Denver Nuggets, the Vancouver Grizzlies. We're never this bad. Now, there's an asterisk because the, nine, the 99 Grizzlies, I think they won six games. Yeah. But that was a lockout short season. But then you also had, like, I think it was the 76ers had a, tw- they had a pretty long losing streak. Yeah. Split between two seasons. And, of course, the infamous 2010 Nets. Mm. That team was garbage. 
No, and no, this it, team's gonna be worse than all. Of yeah. Them. No, is this the team that was still in Jersey, or are they in Brooklyn already? New Jersey Nets. Oh, boy, those New Jersey Nets, man. They just. Okay, so sidebar. I was watching a video on YouTube the other night. Did you know at one time the New Jersey Nets in the mid '90s were considered getting away from the Nets name? They were going to be called, I think it was the Sea Devils or something, Ugh. or the Sea Dragons. That's it, awful. In the, keep in mind, this was like right before Toronto got the Raptors, right? Which I was watching a thing on YouTube and not called the Carter Factors about Vince Carter. And they talked about how people in Toronto could not believe they just named their NBA team after a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Raptors, it's a cool name. I low-key like those OG Raptor jerseys. Yeah, with the purple? Yeah, the dino. Uh, it was like uh, like the, the Barney dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what's funny is Pistons fans are not in a good place. They've scoured through the NBA rulebook, and they've discovered the disaster draft. If five players are killed or maimed, the team who was affected is allowed to draft a player from other teams to refill the roster, and each team, other team gets to protect five players. And Pistons fans probably correctly have realized that other teams' subs are better than our starters. And what's wild about the 28th loss is they were up on the Celtics at halftime by 19 points. And they lost that lead, went to overtime, and just got dummied. Yeah. The only thing I could think that was worse, the expansion Grizzlies, the team that was awful, right? So they played, this is the very first time, Michael Jordan and the Bulls came to Vancouver. And I think it half I think it was either either at halftime or into the third quarter. The Grizzlies were leading by like 25. And somebody on the Grizzlies said that we got Michael. Michael Jordan took turned, it personally. He took this personally. He proceeded to score I think 27 and 1. That sounds very Michael Jordan. Yes, and you know what's really sad? That's the only thing The Last Dance did not talk about. The Grizzlies just getting There's clips, and and that's what really made me happy with The Last Dance. There's clips of the Bulls playing the Grizzlies in Vancouver, and I like it because, like, the back... You know, at at what was known GM place with the basketball hoops, underneath that foam padding that at the very bottom of the rim, of the hoop, of the... Fucking thing that holds the the rim up, that was in teal. That nice. was where the grizzly colors, and it was like, oh, I remember this. It's just so great. So moving along, now we're gonna move on and talk about the Detroit Red Wings and talk about their former hated arch rivals, the Colorado Avalanche, because their forward Nathan McKinnon recorded his three hundredth career goal during the team's game versus Ottawa. He scored four goals in that game, by the way. Yeah, and he must have been off the carbs that day. He must have. Man, he must have ate, like, do you think that maybe he ate some Caesar salad with bacon bits? I Those mean, things are gross, though. I know, but that's the thing. He's from, he's from Nova Scotia. So what sort of, like, carb-heavy meal would he be eating? They only eat carbs there. So everything. 
So everything. Perfect. Yeah. So Nathan McKinnon, he's a player. This is something we've talked about in the past. He's a top five player in the NHL. We do not talk enough about him. Because when you think of the top five players, who's on that list? McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, Matthews. Kale McCarr, and him. Top five players in the NHL. I'd maybe even consider Mark Stone. That's where, like, the top five, like, the top three is easy. Top five is hard. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to put McKinnon on that list. We don't talk enough about this guy. Which is wild, because we talk a lot about this guy. It is true, but, like, the national, like, the media itself. And you, you always hear a lot about, like, the West Coast bias. Like, oh, yeah, the guys on the West Coast, they don't get a lot of attention and everything. Which I agree to an extent there is. The fact that Anze Kopitar and Ryan Getzlaff and these guys all had Hall of Fame careers. The fact is we've been talking about Anze Kopitar a couple of times on top of the air this year. National media doesn't talk about him. Yeah. And, like, yeah, the guy's basically rebuilt his career despite being, like, I don't want to say rebuilt because it was always a strong career, but, like, the guy's playing some of his best hockey and the guy's, like, 38. Yeah. Like, that's... He's, he's putting up some Bergeron numbers. Oh, yeah. But with Nathan McKinnon, I mean, I'm always kind of surprised he, he only hit 300 career goals. Because it seems like he's he's one of those guys, he seems like he's been in the NHL forever. He's been in the yeah. NHL since, what, 2013? Well, it was funny because it was like the moment Duchesne left, he kind of just took the reins and ran with it. Yeah, and that's something we talked about too, right? It was like, you look at Nathan McKinnon early in his career and you're just like, is this kind of what he's just is? Is he just a very, I wouldn't say a bust, but just an underwhelming first overall pick? Like he was good. Yeah, like remember Jack Hughes is the same way. Jack Hughes was injured. Yeah, but Jack Hughes was, he almost fell into the Nolan Patrick category of, not to he got that. injured, so we don't know what he could have been. Right, but Nolan Patrick and some of the hits the guy took were just ugh, bad, bad hits. Yeah, because I think Nolan Patrick would have been a fantastic player. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So Tim, this is the time of the episode, and you know, you know how I hate talking about death on top of the air. Another thing I've really grown, and we've really grown to hate talking about, is gambling ads. Then no, it's just not. All right. But I will just say, I mean, the NHL and MGM announced a multi-year North American partnership extension. Cool. Okay. Moving on. So we're going to close off the top of the air by talking about an Ottawa Senator story. Now, we're not going to talk about a current Ottawa Senator, Tim. Because we've got three games to talk about those. This story involves a former Ottawa Senator, and not just any Ottawa Senator, Tim. Former first overall pick, Alexander Dank. Because the first trailer for his Prime Video documentary dropped... And the said documentary is set to be premiering on January 26th. Sick. I'm going to say this about this documentary. So Netflix did a series kind of similar called Untold. The most recent Untolds are very underwhelming. Like they did one about the University of Florida. Now think of this. They did one. This is a team that had... Urban Meyer as head coach. Which is an experience. 
Tim Tebow at quarterback. Cam Newton was his backup. Now, would you like to know some of the other players that played on this team, too? What do we got? Aaron Hernandez was also a tight end on this team. He gets all of maybe a couple of sentences that talked about him. That team sounds like it's going to be drama central. They did not go even remotely deep about... It was very surface-level stuff. Like, even the one they did on Johnny Manziel was very kind... You know what it made? It made Johnny Manziel out to be more of a tragic figure. And even he... Johnny Manziel himself has even come out and said, Listen, I did what I did. It was dumb. It was dumb. But at the same time, there was people who were not happy about it. And even Dan O'Toole, former TSN sportscaster, he mentions on his podcast, and I reached out to Toolsy and said, I watched it, I felt the same way. And he goes, I said, it felt like they really made him up to be more of a tragic figure. He responded and says, that's exactly what I thought. So it's not good. And this is where I'm really worried about the Prime Video documentary is that they're going to make Alex out to be kind of like, yeah, it kind of was, was what it was. In the same way, and I maybe it's because I always compare every sports documentary to The Last Dance. Because think of this. The Last Dance was a documentary series about Michael Jordan, the single most well-known athlete of the last 40 years. Yeah. And not only because what he did on the court, he's one of the best marketed. There's very few athletes in the world who are as best, who, I wouldn't say best, as well-marketed as Michael Jordan was. Well, think about the shoes. Think of it. The guy hasn't played a game in 20 years. We still I'm talk still about the shoes. his shoes. And the last dance could have just been a Michael D- Jordan, like, yeah, he was just... Puppies, yeah. A puppies. A great athlete, great player, whatever. That was a warts and all documentary. It made him out to seem like such an asshole. And he just said, you know what? It's going to happen. This is all... None of this... It's not like any of the information in the documentary was not known. Everything was... Like, it was public knowledge. He acknowledged it. Well, my favorite one is just him... I took it personally. Yeah. And that's... Even in the last day, it's like he talked about, like... They tried to link, like, with his gambling and everything. And he says, yeah, you know what? I make no bones about it. I like gambling. I don't have a gambling problem. If I did, I'd be hawking my championship rings right now. Yeah. I don't have a problem because I win. That's right. That's such a Jordan thing to say. Holy. Yeah, and that's where I'm kind of worried with this trailer. I'm just... I'm very interested to see how they do it. Because, like, Alexander Degg was on the Coming on Hot podcast, and it doesn't seem like he has many regrets about his career. No. Which is great. It seems like he's in a very good state, a very good place in his life where he could look back on it. But you know what? It is what it is. And and I'm hoping that's where he kind of approached that. It's just like, you know what? Everything Everything about this is public knowledge. Everything about this is nothing you have not heard about already. Yeah. Pretty much. So, kind of interested to see how this turns out, Tim. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the air for this week, which mainly one thing. So we're trying to talk about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Coyotes, Sens versus the Avalanche, and the Penguins. 
versus the Senators. Now, now, hopefully I don't delete this part. Now, before we do anything, Tim, are you ready for this, Tim? Let's hit the music. Nice. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Coyotes. This is a 4-3 Coyotes victory. Sens goes scored by Angus Crookshank with his first NHL goal, Josh Norris, and Dominic Kubelik. Coyotes goes scored by Jack McBain, J.J. Mosier, Clayton Keller, and Michael Kesselinger. Shots were 38-22 for the Coyotes. So this is the first game in the Jacques 2.0 era. Completely blew this game. Honestly, it felt like a DJ Smith game. And given that DJ Smith rambled practice before this game, it kind of was. Ottawa comes out pretty strong to open the game. Mm -hmm. three, three unanswered goals. And that's about it. Yep. And you know what? This is going to be a theme with these three games. Is you know how when DJ Smith was the coach, we would have a terrible first period, a good second period, and then we would try to catch up in the third. Or it would be like a good, a good, good open. Yep. A god awful, like horrendously bad. Why did the team forget how to play hockey for a second period? And either they gave up in the third, yep. or they bring it back. So take the first and second and swap them. That is the Jacques Martin 2.0 era. Yeah, pretty much. This is a weird game, though, because, like, it really was a story of Ottawa's top players were there. Some of the new depth were there, and then nobody else was. Like, you had fantastic games from the Sanderson Zub line, and Branson Bernadocker played great. The Kachuk Stutz Labatherson line, fantastic. And Crooker, Grieg, and Kubelik, good. Everyone else? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing about this game is that <clears throat> even sitting here watching it, the one co the first comment I made, and Katrina's sitting here on the couch with me watching this game, and I look at her, and I was like, you know, the, given that the current World Juniors are in Sweden, I do have a sidebar to that point, but I'll come back to this. So, watching this game, they're at Mullen Arena in Tempe. University of Arizona, there's our Arizona State. I'm watching this, and I'm saying, look at Katrina. I says, you know, you know those World Juniors over in Europe when they play in five, six, seven thousand seat arenas, and they have like the weird camera angle that kind of looks down on the ice. That was watching this game. Oh, from Mullet Arena. Yes, that looks fun though. It does, and actually, like Mike Gould has been down there a number of times. The guys from the Sense Callouts were at this game. It just seems like a vibe. I mean, it'd be fun to experience, honestly. Yeah, especially for this game, right? With Angus Krikshank getting his first NHL goal, his brother was a vibe. Yeah, his brother, and then I think Kruger's girlfriend was there too? I think so. Yeah. His mom was there too, yeah. right? And it was one of the things where, like, you know me, like, I, I'm an NFL fan, but watching, like, the siblings of players, especially, like, you know, like, Jackson Mahomes and all these people who are just such a fucking so cringe to watch his brother was great oh yeah he was like losing his mind it was awesome the only people that could have taught that is when Shane Pinto's friends and his brothers were in or was it Philly or Jersey whatever Jersey yeah that, that, it was great oh yeah and they're just like cheering their minds out yes it was so good 
was so good. And you know what was also really good? Josh Norris in this game. That slap shot. It's a shame we haven't seen much of that this year. No. And it's a the other shame is just as a line, Norris Giroux Tarasenko just didn't really click. Yeah. And one of the hard things is like Tarasenko's been like his offense and his setting have been good. The man bleeds shots when he's on the ice. Yeah. Like that's it's tough to see. Like I think Tarasenko is gonna be great. He's a good offensive piece in an insulated role, but the defense isn't there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been really noticeable in this one, unfortunately. And it was a game that, I mean, when Ottawa went up 3 nothing, And I was like, okay, great, this is going to be good. And then the Coyotes stormed back. Yes. And I remember sitting here, and you know me, in the last few weeks, I've just, I'm kind of in the empathy mode of being a fan. Where there is no, like, and that's like the worst part you could be as a oh, fan. being apathetic being just apathetic and that's where i am at this point I, I, I was just like i'm sitting here watching the games like you know and i said i had a breakthrough i was just like you know I, i'm gonna turn this game off and it was good well it's like two quick goals by moser and keller really was kind of the backbreaker there yeah well even when we get to the next game i mean i had that i utilized that breakthrough was when there was a goal that Look, Should not have counted. It was offside. And then they tied it, and then they scored to make a 5-4. And I just got pissed off during that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any comments you want to make on this game before we head off to the second game, too? No. Although it is good to just see, like, Arizona has been... They've been worth the ticket price this year, and it's honestly... That's good for the fans. Yeah, they're one of those teams that have... They're like Philadelphia. They've been such a surprise this year. I'm not sure they're going to make it in the no. West, just given how, like, the West, I remember at the beginning of the season being like, oh, the East looks to be quite strong, and the West is whatever. Yeah. The West has been surprising this year, especially with Vancouver or Winnipeg being way better than anyone expected, but Arizona is currently sitting seventh in the West. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, I believe, they're in, a, they're in first wild card. My God, could you imagine playoff hockey in Tempe? I will. Playoffs and mullet? Here's the thing, though. Here's my point. What do they do for that? If they make the playoffs, do they move it back to... There's no way. Not They wouldn't move it back to... Um, Scottsdale? Or, uh, Sorry, I mean... Uh, Glendale? Glendale, yeah. Just for the ticket prizes? What I would they do? Like, do they play it in at Mullet Arena in a 5,000-seat arena for the playoffs? That would be a move. Yo, imagine how loud that place would be. Yeah, it's like... They would probably, like... Playoffs for the Coyotes would probably be a sellout ticket. Easy. Although, given you're on the grounds of Arizona State University, maybe you use it the way that the college football teams use it. Yeah. Have the marching bands, have cheerleaders. Make it an event. When the ES... When, like... Yeah. You know, NHL and TNT or whatever comes to town... Make it an event for them. But, like, the West is going to be a knife fight, though, with uh, Minnesota and St. Louis revitalized. Yeah. Even for how how mid the Wild are, I'm just like, how the fuck do they keep doing well? Well, the other wild thing is Edmonton has gone from, like, a basket case at the beginning of the season to respectable again. Calgary's probably out of it at this point. Yeah. But it's like... The West is weird this season because, like, the only bad teams are terrible bad. 
San Jose Sharks haven't even won 10 games yet. Yeah, and then you got the teams that are kind of coming back to Earth, like Seattle. Yeah, Seattle, Calgary. I'm, that's the thing that's surprising about the West, though, is Edmonton was just way worse than I thought they would be. Except. All right, Sam, let's move on to the second game of the evening. Sens versus Avalanche. This is a 6-4 to four Avalanche victory. Sens goes scored by Josh Norris, Ridley Gregg, Jacob Bernard-Docker, and Drake Batherson. Avalanche goes scored by Nathan McKinnon with four, and Miguel Ratnan with two. Shots were 45-39 for the Senators. This is a bullshit game that the Sens should have won. This was, you know what, I will say this. It was a very exciting game. Yeah. It was a game, like, when the Sens went up 4-2, I was thinking, holy shit, we're actually going to beat Colorado. Because the Avalanche, I was full on expecting them to just take us to the wood chipper. Oh, yeah. And then Ottawa was up 4-2, and I was like, holy shit, all right, this is fucking great. And then in the dying seconds of the second period, Ratner scores to make a 4-3, and I'm thinking, okay, Okay, we're, uh, we're still in this. That's that's good. And, and then Ottawa comes out and plays a hard third. Yeah. And then the moment happens. The Avalanche are clearly offside. I don't even think it was inconclusive. He was clearly offside. Yeah, and that's and I was thinking about what you always, always talk about. If you need, for the video review, if you cannot determine it within a certain amount of time... You, got, you can't just sit there for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and the more I sat there, the more I sat there, Katrina's on the couch, and she saw me almost full on, like, meltdown. Because I was getting, oh, I was mad. I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? That's clearly offside. And they then they scored to make a 5-4, and I was like, that's it, this game's over, I'm turning it off. And people are going to make up the fact that, like, yeah, the Senators got, like, four power plays and weren't able to score. But... They got, like, 15 shots on those four power plays. Yeah. Like, the Senators, to their credit, instead of... And this is going to continue into the other two games we talk about. Maybe not so much the Pittsburgh game as this game, as the Toronto game, but the Sens... Under DJ Smith, the Sens would have just rolled over and died after that. Yeah. The Sens came back, and they battled hard, and the only thing that stood in their way from tying that game was Georgiev finally finding his form. Because he, sh- after kind of a pretty rough first two periods, mm-hmm. Georgiev shut the door in the third. Because yeah. it wasn't like Ottawa was getting bad chances and just throwing pucks at net either. Like, the saves were coming in from, like, Ottawa, like, looking at the Ottawa shot map, it's all just Tarasenko and Kachuk just smacking things in from right in Georgiev's face. Those are high-danger shots. And Ottawa was generating, like, five or six of those in, in those last four power plays. Like, Ottawa played really, really well. Which is, I know, moral victories at this point were... what no, Nobody wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. But Ottawa played to win. They deserved to win. Hanging 45 shots on the Colorado Avalanche is nothing to sniff at. No. And you know what? This is not even a game where I can blame the goaltending, because... Jonas Corposalo, I mean, what are you going to do when Nathan McKinnon is shooting at you? And he's allowed, and Landis Cog's allowed to be at least a pace offside. Yes. Like, that's the place where the offside actually matters. 
is on the rush. It's not when the puck's been cycling for three minutes. No, and that's the thing like, with Corpusell. 33 saves at .868 save percentage. He didn't play bad. No. He played very well. And that's where the stat line completely may disagree with him on this. But I'm just like... I get it. When you put up six on... What are 39. Okay. Your stat line's not going to be good, but you know what? I look at some of those shots and some of those goals McKinnon shot, and I'm just like... Yeah. Very few goalies are stopping that. No. And credit to the Ottawa defense where they actually... They did manage to limit some of those. They managed to limit those opportunities. Yeah. Like, sure, it was 35 shots. It, it was a pretty high-scoring game. And I actually thought, like, the Norris Drew Kachuk and the Tarasenko Stutes Lebastian lines played great. It's just, it was what it was. Yeah. No, I Like, wanna... five on five, the Sens were better than the Avalanche. No, they were. No, I do want to quickly talk about Jacques Martin here. In talking about the goaltending, now, I don't know if you got a chance to see the tweet that Clara Hanna yep. put up that Jacques talked with the goaltending when he first took over, and he says, listen, I'm going to say there's a lot of talent between the pipes. What happened is that the players are leaving you out to dry. And Trevor Shackles quote tweeted and just said, why is it taking four years for somebody to say this? Jacques Martin... The way he speaks about the game is he's very confident, very clear about this is what is happening, this is what I would like to change. Yeah. Like he is a very, very clear communicator and he communicates in a way that makes his strategy and tactical choices very clear, which is a refreshing compared to DJ Smith. And that's what Drake Batherson said too. He said the same thing about Jock. He says, if I make a mistake, I come to the Benz he and Alfredson come over and they show him. Okay, this is what happens. This is what you got to do to change this, this, this. He says it sticks with him. And I have to wonder, what was DJ doing? Was DJ just... That's the thing. Was DJ... I think it was one of three. Either DJ did not know how to, he was not willing to show them, or he just barked orders. Yeah, which is weird. But it's also weird because if you always saw... Stutes the looking at the iPad after a mistake. So maybe it's just DJ Smith's teaching style wasn't getting through. Yeah. Maybe he has an old school mentality of pl- just play better. Whereas somebody like Jacques and Alfie come in and they fiz- and they will bring it up. They'll be like, okay, listen, this is what you did. This is how you should do it. Do you want to try? Let's try moving it towards this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the one thing, and that's a, I get it, there's going to be a transition between how DJ does it and how Jacques does it, but when the Sens are blowing leads, the first thing is, this is no longer on coaching, this is on the players. Yeah. And for this game, though, it's like, I don't think the Sens played that badly. No, and that's honestly, that's the one thing that overall... I can say with confidence, I can't say the Sens played awful. I will say against the Coyotes, they full-on took the foot off the gas. Yeah. And that's what teams get. Teams get in that mindset of, okay, we got a three-goal lead, we're good. And this was a problem that Jacques Martin Sens in the late 90s or 2000s had, which is that if they were down, they were not fighting back. Yeah, and this team 
fought back. The next game, not so much. Yep. Third third and final game of the evening. Penguins versus... Do you want to talk the Leafs game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we'll include the Leafs game on here. I mean, it's not a third-line plug is war episode, but you know what? We're going to include it. Let's do it. Damn it, we're going to include this. Third game of the evening, Penguins versus Sens. This is a 5-4 Sens OT victory. Penguins versus North by Lars Eller. I actually completely forgot he was still in the NHL. We're playing for <laughs> Pittsburgh. Lars Eller, Ricard Raquel, Drew O'Connor, and Chris Letang. Sens was scored by Jacob Chikorin, Josh Norris, Brady Chuck, our short king, Eric Brandstrom, and Tim Stutzla in overtime. Shots were 36, sorry, 34-26 for Pittsburgh. I... Honestly, I didn't see much of this. I do will admit. I think I might need to stop going to White Spot with my dad when the Sens are playing. The Sens end up blowing leads when I go. Yeah, this game was wild to watch because for the first two periods, Ottawa tuned Pittsburgh. And they came up with a 4-2 lead, including a Brandstrom goal that... Also was, I don't think it was offside, but you also got another really long video review after the Pittsburgh challenge. The goal stood, and if I wish Ottawa had scored on that power play. And they really took it to them, too. For sure. And I will say the one thing about, like, I quickly want to talk about the Stutzel OT winner here. It was a beautiful goal. Jacob Chikrin, to keep that puck in play. Like, he tied up his man. Beautifully. Yeah. Chikrin has been low-key Ottawa's best defenseman this year. He leads defensemen in points. He's, art based on the fancy stats per Evolving Wild, he's Ottawa's best defenseman. And he's playing like a first-line defenseman in Mika's model. Like, Chikrin, I think, has been fully worth the price that Ottawa paid to acquire him this year. And it's interesting because he's a player that the fan base set can't seem to fully agree on. Yeah, because some people either think like, "Oh yeah, he's been really good," or seem like he's been just kind of disappointing. I don't know where the disappointing thing's coming from. The guy has twenty five points on the season, which for a defenseman at halftime is really good. He's at just under a point a game pace. Maybe it's because he comes so under the radar that when people just the eye test look at him, they don't see anything that's explosive. He just does it. Maybe, yeah, but it's like he's been quietly good. Yeah. But this game, I think he was Ottawa's best defenseman again. Either him or Branny. But Ottawa, dominant through two periods, disappear in the third, and Pittsburgh, they're lucky to get away with a win in this game. Oh, man, do you want to talk about our short king, Eric Branstrom? Oh yeah, he was he was a force. He was, I mean, for a guy who's five foot ten, and I assume he's like five foot eight. He's still our short king. Oh, I love him. I'm surprised the man didn't get more didn't get more penalties this game because he was throwing elbows. Oh my god, it's true. I mean, we talked about this. It seems like what? Hear my voice, fucking yeah. guys. It's like what exactly happened with Eric Bradstrom where he just developed this. Yeah, I don't know where the mean streak came from. I don't get it. Like, what is it about the... Because the Swedes are generally not known to be, like, hard-hitting. Unless you're, like, Cronwell or Al Samuelson or, or fuck, even Peter Forsberg. But then you see guys... Like, to me, when he played for Ottawa, Eric Carlson was one of those underrated hitters. Like, I have never seen a guy... 
who just physically you look at him and like this guy will probably not hit you that hard and he just laid guys out. Oh yeah. Well the other thing is just what watching Eric Brandstrom in front of his own crease. Yeah. That guy boxes out. Yeah. Like there I know like Mark Mathot thinks that like Ottawa's defense is too small. Brandstrom's playing like he's six foot five right now. Yeah. The well, guy's violent. You know, you should tell Mark Mathot, well, hey, Mark, you're still in great shape. But put put the skates on. Put the skates on and come back out. Yeah, because, like, when Brandstrom's on the ice, Mo- Ottawa just doesn't take as many shots from in. Ottawa doesn't give up as many shots in tight because he's clearing the people out. Like, he's just playing well. But uh, that third period was an atrocity. Yeah. 23 shots to four. <sighs> And you know what? I was sitting at dinner with my dad and Katrina, and I saw Latang tie it, and under my brother, Ali hears, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, this fucking team. But what's so weird is just how bad Pittsburgh came out in that overtime. Like, just bobbled pucks. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't even get just a chance to see and the overtime. Stutzlow was electric. Well, the funny thing is, is like, I was on my way, we were on our way home. Katrina looks at her phone, and she says, and she could tell, like, I was not happy. I was just bitching about the sends on the way home. And she looks at me and goes, they won. Do you want to see this? Do you not want to know who won? And I was like, all right, go and tell me. She goes, Mr. Timmy Stew. And I was like, oh, oh, nice. Oh, nice. And she's like. And Detroit lost. <sighs> so good. So good. Okay, sidebar. Katrina was showing me this thing on, I can't remember what website. You know those sites would be like, where you'll have, like, a graph. And it'll be like. Who is your team's most hated person on social media? Oh, yeah, yeah, For Twitter. And to... It was like... Detroit's most hated team is Ottawa. Yeah, and Ottawa was like Toronto, Detroit, Montreal. And I was like... Yes. It's funny because people are looking at that and they're like... Man, I didn't realize Detroit fans were psychopaths. Well, fuck it. Did you not see that the, the thing we brought up on today's episode, Tim? Yeah. Like... Not, not like no the wonder. best version, but also just the lead version. But no wonder they're psych- psychotic. Because, like, I still don't understand how they're still mad at Matthew Joseph and then cheering that he got hurt in a different game. Like, what is that? I don't know. It's... And, like, Ottawa, I think we only played... Do we play Detroit four times or three times this year? Because how... I think we've won the season series. Within the division, I mean, how many times have we played? Four? Four, but I know we play Toronto and Montreal more than we play the other division teams. Yeah. But yeah, I think at at worst we'll tie the worst we could do is tie them in the season series. And that's a team that's coming to earth. Yeah. Something awful. It's funny because like I have nothing against the Red Wings. We've had Jake Rivard on our podcast. He's a Red Wings fan. Yeah. He's a great guy. Well, I think we asked him like after that those games, like, how do you deal with Red Wings fans? He was just like uh, poor guy yeah poor guy but yeah like I said I don't have too much to say about this game so we're gonna do a bonus game Tim ooh bonus game Battle of Ontario Sens versus Leafs Tim take it over alright so in this edition of the Battle of Ontario we have Ottawa defeats the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-2 Ottawa goals scored by Parker Kelly Drake Batherson twice, and Brady Kachuk with a shorthandy to put this one away. 
Toronto goal scored within a minute by Matthew Nees and Tyler Bertuzzi. And shot. The shots don't matter, Ottawa won. Very good. Yeah, shots are... Eh, who cares? So I didn't get a chance to watch this. You know, to be honest with you, um, yesterday was just busy. On yeah. it. it was one of those days where... So my morning... I had to go up to Nanaimo, as you can see, the beautiful 65-inch television that's oh, sitting oh, right in front oh, of us. Oh. Because we went down... Or sorry, we went up on the Friday because that was the day we went to have dinner with Matt and Delita. The TV wouldn't fit in the car. Oh. And we took Katrina's car, which is a Corolla. We pulled the back seats down, everything. And it was just how the wheel, like how it was molded with the car itself, it wouldn't fit over the wheel thing, right? But Katrina told me, she says, you better not be looking at your phone during dinner. I was like, okay, didn't do it. Nice. But I know that a uh, good friend, Rain. So f- for people who are on Instagram, I'm going to give them a shout out. At daily underscore sends underscore news. She follow. I've been following him. This is how far back I've been following him. I've been following him since like 2016. Oh, wow. He is one of the OG like sends sites or pages I've been following. He's great. He's great. So this game, and he was, Ottawa, and he was at the yeah. game. And Ottawa was started rough. Yeah. Actually, let's step this back before the game. Toronto deserved to lose because they wore the Bieber jerseys, and then had Justin Bieber and oh the black the car, and blue ones, the black and blue ones. They look nice, but they're designed by Justin Bieber, so I'm gonna hate them anyway. Uh, but Bieber performed with a weird Carlton Bear based dance squad. It was kind of nice that, like, Toronto had a bunch... They had a bunch of minor hockey kids out mm-hmm. uh, for the anthem. And, like, Zoom and Brady were, like, goofing off with the kids while before the anthem started. So that was actually a really cute thing that Toronto did. And they had the minor hockey kids for both sides. Yeah. And... But the dance thing was weird. So Toronto deserved to lose this game based on that alone. Based on principle. Based on principle. The first 10 minutes up until the two goals... Ottawa looked terrible. Like, just stumbled out of the gate. But then, Toronto just stopped skating. And it kind of, like, Toronto stopped skating. Not, I don't want to say stopped skating. That kind of understand, undersells what Ottawa did. Right. But Ottawa, they re-engaged. And they started playing Toronto really hard. And by the end of the first period, it felt like Ottawa was owed a goal. Into the second, it was continued to be a really hard, hard-fought game. And Parker Kelly scores a shorty. And this goal is beautiful, too, because it's just Parker Kelly intercepts a pass, gets himself free, and puts it right through Martin Jones. Yeah, oh god, Martin Jones. Martin Jones has low-key been Toronto's best goaltender this year. Not even low-key. Because Samsonov has been garbage and Wolf's oh, been boy. inconsistent. Yeah, has he ever been off? Martin Jones has rescued Toronto's season. You know things are bad when. But admittedly, Martin Jones didn't play bad. No. Like, a point nine. Yeah. On In a game where he gave up four goals. That means Ottawa got 40 shots. So are you saying he's the one goalie 
they've gotten from a California team. That's Freddie Anderson. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, Freddie Anderson, that's the Astros. Yeah. Every other goalie they've ever gotten from a California team has been awful. <laughs> Jonathan Bernier. Do you remember? Screw Vince. Vesa Toscala. Toscala. <laughs> the 200-foot goal. Okay, sidebar. So my buddy and I were playing Chell last night. Yeah. And he was Colorado. I was New Jersey. And Sam Gerard shot the puck from his other end, dumping it out. It hit the backboards. My goalie came up to play it. I don't know what happened. It was like the computer stopped. The goalie skated back and kicked the puck into the net. Isn't Chell so good? I love EA. I know. You know what I would love even more? I'm going to drop my phone. I would love it if we had like... NHL hits yeah. or NHL 2K. At this point, I will take the. I never ever thought I'd have to say this. I will take the 989 NHL games. You will. You will not. You will not. For how bad the EA NHL series is, yes, I will take that back. And you know where I stand with the 989. That's true. NHL off series. And then from there, Ottawa. Wickley gets a second goal from Batherson. This one's a beauty, too. Just pass into the slot. Sorry, no. And then Batherson's third goal in the third period is a weird one. Remember when, I believe it was Pajot scored off of Lundquist's back? Mm. Oh. Or was that Carlson? That in the 2017 playoffs. Carlson. Carlson was like, yeah, where the goal line, if he was like just inside that goal line and just shot it out. Batherson did that. And it gets stuck in... It gets in Martin Jones's jersey, and it falls out on the other side of the goal line. Oh. But Ottawa had played well enough at that point that they earned the luck. And then Ottawa just plays a really tight defensive game the rest of the way. Toronto gets some chances, but they're not great. And then Ottawa just kind of finishes it off. Which is always nice. So just beauty goal, and Brady Kachuk finishes it by just wiring one from inside the dots, and he just jumps into <laughs> he jumps into the glass and starts pointing and making eye contact with every fan he possibly can in thirty seconds before that's celebrating. So good, like that's so Brady Kachuk. It is. No, even go back to what you're saying about Brady goofing off with the minor league kids, even not. Last year, the season previous, when the Sens played the Canucks in Vancouver, I saw there was a bunch of kids, you know, like the kids always are all around the glass, right? Yeah. Pre-game. There was a group of kids there, and they were so excited to see Stutzla and all these guys, and Brady sees them, and he says, you, you, and he, he takes the puck, and he th- just logs it over the glass. You love seeing that sort of stuff. Yeah. He, and the only other guy I've ever seen do that was Mark Stone. And Stoner, when the one time I saw them play against the Canucks, he skated around and he see you know, he skates, does one luck, comes around, one hand just hits the glass with a stick to acknowledge the fans. Yeah. I, I love Mark Stone. I love Brady Kachuk. And honestly, the only line from Toronto that really came to play was the Matthews line, despite Matthews not actually scoring a goal. The Bertuzzi, the Bertuzzi Tavares line, Bertuzzi scored, but they kind of got eaten alive by Tarasenko, Stutzla, and Batherson. Yeah. Shikran and Hamannick were fantastic, and I actually really liked the game from our short king as well. 
the Sanders and Zoop line, they, they had tough minutes, but they actually managed to contain Mies and Matthews pretty well. So all in all, this is a good, good win. And uh, I've been really impressed with the play of, uh, of Schmeagel and uh, Crookshank. They've, they've been great. And I think, I think Crookshank for sure has earned an extended look in Ottawa. Yeah. I think he's ready to be in a full-time NHLer. Do you think Schmeagel is going to be on the NHL all-name team, though? He's got to be. He's got to be at least a dark horse candidate at this point. Yeah, and Schmeagel's been good. Yeah. I'd like to see him get a longer rep in Ottawa, but I think he'll be the one sent down when uh, Joseph and Charche come back. Because yeah. admittedly, Charche's been, Charche hasn't been bad. Like, the guy doesn't have, The offense truly isn't there. No. But the defense is. Like, he's a good bottom... He's a good bottom center. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Kastelik becomes the 13th forward or Parker Kelly. I like those guys. Honest opinion. Yeah. Who would you rather see? Kelly or Kastelik? I would see Kelly. That's tough. Because honestly, Kastelik has just been just there. But I think it's so is Kelly. So is Kelly. Like, like in these... Like, small sample, I've been really happy with Schmeagel and... I think Kastelik is the better player. Mm-hmm. I don't... Zach McEwen, I don't think he makes... I don't think Jacques Martin's going to play McEwen. No. Maybe they just use him as, like, a water boy. Yeah. Oh, I think he goes to the AHL for the rest of his career, honestly. Yeah. Zach McEwen just hasn't been good in Ottawa. Honestly, you watch one day. He's going to be a cover out. We're just going to be like... He was here? What did he even... Was he even a member? Yeah, no kidding. We were going to be like, there's at least one person out there who bought a Zach McEwen Sens jersey. If anyone listening to this has bought a Zach McEwen jersey, please reach out Please. I want you on the show. I want to ask you why in person. Yes. And we will do it. Of course. You will get your 15 minutes of fame as long as I don't delete it. Please don't delete it. No. And that's really all I have to say. Uh, Just a good hard-fought win for the Sens. It was really funny. Post-game panel. Uh, the woman hosting is like, so do you think like the reason the Sens won is because the Leafs let their foot off the pedal? And Elliot Friedman's like, no, they earned that win. Yeah. Like, go, go love Elliot. Go. Elliot Friedman is the only worthwhile part of the <laughs> Sportsnet panels. Yeah. Elliot, basically, he's the only thing holding that together. Yeah. So I, you know, like we were talking about in the uh, 1.0 version of this episode... We were talking about Jeff O'Neill and Bart Mathot together on the panel for a Sens Leafs game because it was a TSN broadcast. It was not a sports app broadcast. I, inten- I unintentionally, unironically love Bart Mathot and Jeff O'Neill together. Well, you're saying it was the closest thing we have to uh, Shaq and Barkley. That's true because the NHL is trying so hard to recreate that. And they've done a good job of it on TNT. On TNT, which we don't... Well, I wouldn't say we don't get up here. You have to pay for it. Unless you want to watch on... Uh, no, sorry, illegal feed here. But for me, it's like... I'm going to say the TNT panel, They, I do agree with you. I do think they do a halfway decent job. But there's just something about the chemistry between Barkley and Shaq that's so... Not innocent. It's so pure. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, we had Jennifer Botterill on Sportsnet, and she was just like, she doesn't 
Like, it's it's not good. But then she'll go on a panel with Busy Annette Carter and Gretzky, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, it's got to be the, the problem with Sportsnet is just... Is it the... Is the it writing the and the producers are so lazy. Like, so much of the stuff in this latest edition of the Battle of Ontario was about stuff that happened 20 years ago. It was irrelevant and boring. They didn't talk about anything from this season or this game. Well, even which s- is incredible because you have Austin freaking Matthews in front of you to talk about. Yeah. You've got one of the top five players in the league. Arguably the best Maple Leaf ever. I'm going to... Now, that's the thing that we've talked about with Leaf people on our show. I would say he's the best Leafs draft pack of all time. And that's including Wendell Clark. Yeah. That's including certain names that we've had in the past. Like, And I think certainly the best Leaf since they've won a cup. I would put Matthews over Sundin. Yeah, I would too. Okay, you know how we're talking about Nathan McKinnon top of the air, that he has all these points? So Nathan McKinnon is currently on a point streak. Take a wild guess, and I would have never guessed this. Take a guess who holds the franchise record for most consecutive games in the point streak at 30. For the Avalanche? For the franchise of the Avs and the Nordique. Is it Sackett? Or is it Sundin? Matt Sundin, 30 games. That's wild. In 92-93. That's wild. By the way, he hit 110 points. I mean, Matthews might actually beat that this season. Just the way he's been playing. It's a shame that, like, Nylander's point streak was really fun to watch. It was so fun. But also, like, Austin Matthews is, is, like, him, he's been on a mission. And he's kind of... Yeah covered up a lot of the warts of this Maple Leafs team, if Austin Matthews tuckers himself out by the playoffs, that's not going to be fun to watch. No. Now, going back to what we were talking about about the panel, and I said, I, I knew exactly what you were talking about when you are talking about the one on Saturday night against Toronto, and... No, it wasn't Saturday. What the fuck am I talking about? It was Tuesday. I'm on Tuesday. I'm on my Christmas break. Your Christmas time, yeah. It's Christmas time. We lose Christmas days. Is that... You're right. I mean, they're going to talk about the least, but this goes back to what Brent Wallace told us. He says that they did a... Back in 2002, Patrick William had better numbers, and his producers at TSM are like, like, yeah, but Cujo's numbers were like slightly better. Oh, so they're better. And he's like, well, technically, yes, but only slightly Oh, so they're better. I and mean, that was his first notice that, yes, they want you to talk good about the Leafs. Well, of course. That's going to happen. They're a bigger team. My my issue is they weren't talking about the game at hand. Because mm-hmm. you had interesting things happening. You have... There's really cool storylines about even this year's Leafs. Yep. And it's a national broadcast. Who cares about the Battle of Ontario from 2002? A quarter of your audience wasn't even born. Yep. Who gives a shit? Oh, it's awful. Like, Austin Matthews has 28 goals in 31 games. Let's talk about that. Oh, God. Does he have a full beard now? Yeah. Ugh. But, like, yeah, the guy has 42 points on the season. He's played 28 games. That's ridiculous. Yep. He's probably going to hit 110. Easy. Easy. Why not talk about that? Why not talk about... The ch- like, the change in structure of the Ottawa Senators. Why not talk about, finally, like, maybe some of the Leaf lines are finally gelling, because you have 
Matthew Nyes and Bertuzzi have they scored, yeah. and that's been something that the Leafs have had problems with this year. How don't we talk about that? It's a national broadcast. Not all of your viewers are like sure. The majority of your viewers are Leaf fans, but not all of them. Yep. Introduce people to the Le- the storylines of the Leafs while bring and the people. Not even all your Leafs fans who are watching, especially a holiday game, aren't going to be guys who are people who are following the season. Introduce people to the storylines. Build onto the storylines that yep. exist. Don't just go back to, oh, here's Joe Newendike to talk about when he still had functioning legs. Yeah. But I don't care. Or even find a happy medium where it's like you could talk about, and I do think that's a great point. I do think that you should be building storylines, like current storylines. And like what we're talking about with O-Dog and Meth, it's like, when you have somebody like Charles Barkley, on a panel. Barkley will be the first person to tell you, this game sucks. <laughs> and he will not talk about it. He will be more like, you know what? No, if I'm being honest, I was not watching this game. I was watching the Sens Penguins. And I got mad about that one. Yeah. When Charles Barkley clearly does not care. And he's on the national panel for the NBA. Barkley, I think he's even said in interviews, two things that really stuck out to me. He's always said the reason why he's so honest is because, you know what? He openly admits he doesn't need TNT's money. He's got basketball money. Yeah. But also because what he says, he says it because it's fair. And that's what he something he learned when he played was that he was not happy with this article somebody wrote about him. And I think it was either Dr. J or Moses Malone said to him, is the article fair? Is the article what they're talking about, is it fair? If it's fair, you shouldn't be upset about it. Yeah, like, if you're upset about something that was written about you that's fair, you should play hard. Yeah, where Sportsnet was trying to drive this whole, oh, did the did the Leafs really just lose that? And Elliot's like, no, the Sens won it. Like, yeah, you win games in this league. And that's something that, and maybe that's a producer thing of, we need you to push the storyline or this, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? You're looking for a narrative. Yeah, you're looking, narrative, thank you. You're looking for a narrative of how to tell this. And I hate to admit, Kevin Bieksa, who I was very happy with very early on, he's fallen into that trap. Yep. He's falling into the trap that Ron McClain has been pushing for the last X amount of years. Is that Ron McClain, here's my thing with Ron McClain, is that if you ever watch Hockey Night Canada on the CBC feed, does he add anything? No. He, it's white noise. And this is not like a pro-Don Cherry or anti-Ron McClain thing. It's... You listen to him and you're like, you've said you've said so little by saying so much. Well, it's funny because like, I I really really hope that when this NHL contract is up, Sportsnet has lost a ton of money on this. I really hope that they back off from hockey because yeah. their hockey product has been really bad. Yeah. Like, they're still going to cover hockey. Yes. They're probably still going to cover most Leaf games, most Canuck games, and a good chunk of the Flames and Oilers games. Yeah. I would love to see TSN carry more games. I would love to see multiple carriers cover the same game. Like you're talking about more on a, on a national stage? On a national stage okay. and on a local stage. And I, and I think there is a market for this in Canada. Yeah. I would like to see blackouts end. 
because the blackout situation so with Rogers is brutal. I have to have cable if I want to watch a game that involves the Sens and the Flames. It because even after I bought Sportsnet Plus. Yeah, because it's, it's a region block. Yeah. It's a region block. It's stupid. I totally get it. And you know what? It's the same way with us. It's like if I want to watch the Sens play the Canucks, even if they're in Ottawa, I have to watch it on cable. And like, what's... Now, luckily, Katrina's mom and dad are paying for it. Yeah. I would not be paying for it. That game's locked out. Yep. And what's wild is, in the Bally contract, out of... That looks like Amazon's going to buy them out of bankruptcy. Yep. It looks like Amazon's just going to put all of those games on Prime. And there won't be a region block on it. Yeah, but you know what, though? Amazon Prime would be a pretty decent one because... I wouldn't say everybody. A lot of people have Amazon. Prime is free with it. Yep. Which means you can watch all their stuff. And you know what? That's kind of smart. Second point I want to make. The Vegas Gold Knights... We talked about this on top there. Vegas Gold Knights are doing their own... Like... Stream service. Yes. If this is successful, this could be something that the teams... The NHL team... The NHL will fucking hate this. But... The teams themselves would cut out the middleman and say, if you want to watch all of our games, we have it. And I want, I wonder if they would make more profit doing that and selling their own ads instead of just signing up with Rogers. Yeah. Because I honestly think Rogers has done serious damage to hockey in Canada. Okay. In, in what way? The product is bad. It's inaccessible. I honestly feel like I hear less and less people talk about hockey because it's just a pain in the ass to watch. Yeah. I hear more young people talk about basketball. Yeah, but I think it, it also and, doesn't help that with, and, and just piggybacking on your point here, is that I find that the people, like younger people, they're not willing to pay for cable. They're not willing to pay for cable. They're not willing to pay for Sportsnet Plus when there's so many other ways you can stream it. And honestly, cable is such a bullshit service. Yeah. Like, I have it. And I, I'm actually, like, the Telus guy told me, yeah, you can watch out-of-market games. He, he just straight-up lied to me when I bought it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't care. Telecom in Canada is among the worst in the world. Yeah. Like, cell phone plans are ridiculously priced. TV sucks. Internet sucks. And the federal government's just like, you know what? This needs less competition. With the Sean Rogers merger. We get what we get because the government lets it happen. And it's kind of incredible to watch the national broadcaster for the 10 years before the Rogers contract completely fumble hockey too. They lost the Hockey Night in Canada theme, for gosh sakes. Yep. TSN. How do you do that? It, it boggles the mind. Yeah, and you know you know who's laughing at us for their sports coverage? Is the Americans. Yeah, like, Think of it. TNT is you, fantastic. Since 1993, 94, I think, whenever the NHL decided, we're going to have a national broadcast. For the NHL, 
on Fox. This is the same year Fox did it for the NFL. And then Fox later did it for the MLB. Think of this. How many networks have they had? They had the one from Fox. To NBC. They also had OLN in there, for yeah. the, which is fucking weird. I don't know why. Yeah, and then they had NBC, which, here's the thing. Say what you will about... Eddie Olchek. Eddie Olchek, Mel Berry, anybody who was ever on that, people still remember that. Because the production was good. And TNT and ABC have been great, too. Yeah. And what's frustrating, and the, the regional networks have been good, too. Say what you will about NESN. The only, the big problem the NHL has had in the States is they have, and this, I'm going to tell a story that's going to be endemic of the product. Remember the Global Series we did this year? Yes. You know what the only way to watch it in the U.S. was? Oh. NHL Network. It wasn't on any of their national partners. The NHL just gets in its own way with either weird marketing moves, stupid proprietary stuff, or in the case of Canada, a toxic relationship with Rogers. Yeah. And the NHL just gets in its own way. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we've always talked about that. We always talk like the NHL will take one step forward, three steps back. Yeah. No, no matter anything, you friggin' jerseys, national TV rights. I've never seen a league that has purposely done everything and anything to fuck up. And here's the thing, I really want to give massive props out to the PWHL, the new women's league that's going to be starting up yep. in the next in the new year here. They have been very clear about these are TV networks. Every game from the start is going to be on television, and most of these games are going to be streamed somewhere too. Yeah. Like, they are building a game to be incredibly accessible. And especially if you are a new product, and it's going to be hard to compete with the already existing men's leagues where you have the NHL, the AHL, Junior. Yep. That's how you have to do it. Yep. Ottawa announced their new captain. Lori Boschman was there as part of the... as part of this part of the ceremonies. Like, that's a great way to kind of get people who might have been skeptical of women's league involved. Like, they're making, other than not having logos on their jerseys ready for game one, they've handled everything really well. Yeah, and that's what every, every startup league, any startup company, you have to hit it right. You're going to get your kinks. Every, every company, you're going to work out the kinks somehow. I have not followed much of the PWHL, and that's my own fault, I admit. But from what from what little I have seen, they are trying to do it right. And the proof seems to be in the pudding. Uh, the Civic Center should be sold out for Game 1 in Ottawa. Uh, the Matame Home Center in Toronto should be sold out for Game 1 in Toronto. Yep. And we'll see, hopefully the excitement will continue. Yeah, and that's something that that's a level of legitimacy you're giving the league by not playing at the Carlton Athletic Center or like the GG practice arena. Yeah, or you're not playing at say Sensplex. Yeah. Like you're playing in a legitimate stadium. Yeah, it's not like you look at some of the pro other pro leagues out there. You look at like the XFL, for example. You may have thought it was a joke. But when you're playing in Lumen Field, or you're playing in the Alamo Dome, or you're playing in stadiums where the NFL plays in. And you can 
you might not sell them out, but you can fill them pretty good. Yeah. And here's the thing. There's an NHL team right now playing in front of 5,000 fans. Yeah. If the women's league, this new women's league, after a bunch of failed ones, can do that day one, they're doing something right. Yeah. Now, there's always going to be the excitement of something brand new. It's going to be a matter of, can you sustain this? And I think the PWHL... Looks like it's built right. It looks like it's built right, but it looks like there's a market for it that's going to sustain it. Yep. And I think starting with six teams was probably the right play, because you reduce the chances of having a weak man that kind of ruins things like the NLL had for years. Yeah. Yeah, or even the MLS. Yeah, and like, yeah, if women's hockey can build, build and be successful, I think that's great. It is great. I mean, you see, like, even in the States, you look at the way that women's soccer is doing right now. Mm-hmm. And contrast that with the WNBA, where the WNBA wasn't built right. Yeah. And it's been... 25 years. 25 years, and the game's still not taken seriously. No. And I think that's due to poor moves by the WNBA and like women but women's soccer women's hockey can show us that yeah if you build the league right people will come yeah yeah and I mean and even going back to Shaq I mean people have asked Shaq what does the WNBA need to do to succeed and Shaq's been very open he says you know what he says you look at it athletically they're great they're great basketball players the one thing he would do lower the rim Lower the rim at least, I'm not saying a foot. Six inches. Six inches, because the one thing they're missing is dunks. If you put dunks in... It'd be interesting. It would be interesting. Well, it's that, and I think you get, even lowering the rim, you'll get more threes. Yeah. And once you get that in, the next thing you can do is, I believe the women play with a 30-second shot clock instead of 24. Once you get those threes and those dunks in, you can bring the shot clock down. Yeah, and, and that, that's that makes the game more exciting too. Yeah, and if you do that, I'm not saying you're making the game a joke, because again, the women who are playing in the WNBA are not seven foot three. No, the, the yeah, it's it's. I don't want to be too mean here, but it's like women on average, and even at the extremes, are shorter than men. Because yeah. the NBA. That's just genetics. That's genetic, but that's also... The NBA, you're looking at the extreme end of the male height distribution. Even the extreme end of the women height distribution, the female height distribution is smaller than that, like, shorter than extreme. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe just make the game reflect that. Yeah, but that's like any... any Well, any spring, it's the extreme end of that distribution, right? Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm a pro wrestling guy. You look at some of the females that are in pro wrestling right now. They're amazing athletes. What they can do in the ring are great. They're not as big as the male wrestlers. Yeah, don't don't make them like play to their strengths. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think the one company I said for I've always thought for years that did it right was WWE. Yeah. WWE did it right because they played to the strengths. And I think I'm like I watch all elite. I think that's where they have completely dropped the ball. Because they have women in their division right now who are very good athletes, who are very good on the mic. They're very good. They are not taken seriously. Because they're not they're not given 
good rules. And it's because the company does not take them seriously. It's because you watch, you know, you watch Dynamite or you watch Rampage or Collision. It's a freaking joke. It's a complete joke. And I think for 2024, two of the hottest females going into the into next year are Julia Hart and Sky Blue. They're two female wrestlers. They've got a lot of excitement going for them. Yeah. It's a matter of whether the company can succeed in capitalizing on yeah, it. Yeah, like, can they write a story and choreograph a fight that's good to watch and is written seriously? Yeah, and doing it right. And doing it right. And that's and I can tie that in with... The any, PWHL. Yeah. It looks like a, a league that's done right. Yeah. The only thing that's just, like... It's surprise. I'm a little surprised they just didn't have the jersey logo just done in time. Yeah. Because, like, the Ottawa Alert, good name. It's an interesting name. Well, I mean, it has history. It, it ties into this history of Ottawa sports. It's great. And it just feels weird that there's no logos on the jersey. Like, that's just the that's the kink. And yeah. you're going to work that out. Yeah. Even talking about Ottawa sports, I mean, if you, if you want to talk about a team that... And, it, and this is, they could use these, this team as an example of a team that right out of the gate was done right, that completely fell apart. Look at the Red Blacks. The Red Blacks went from a team that was an expansion team. Successful. Won the Great Cup this year two, and were dog shit the rest of it. And you talk to Red Black fans, they hate how this team is run. And yep. to, to the point where people in Ottawa, they're getting to the point of where I'm not... No, I'm I'm not from Ottawa. I don't live in Ottawa. I don't know much about it. It's almost like they're getting to the point of where like the renegades were, yeah. where it's like the fans are getting pissed off because of just how it's being run. What is it with Ottawa just being unable to run a football team? I don't know. And actually, speaking of the, the renegades on Facebook Marketplace, I somebody was selling one of the mini helmets. <laughs> I was thinking about buying one. Because, yeah, like, that's what's so sad about the Red Blacks is they came in, they were good, and there was a lot of excitement around them. Yeah. And I would hate to see the New Atlantic team go the same way. Yeah, go Schooners. Go Schooners. But, like, what do you do? Do you just, do you, you got to purge management. You got to. You got to. And that's the problem, because this is the same company that owns the Auto 67s. Well, the 67s are good. And that's the thing, the 67s have been, I don't know about them historically, but the last several years, they've been well run. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't, I'm surprised OES, OSEG hasn't stepped in. Yeah. Or maybe they're just an, or maybe they're one of these owners, kind of like how Dolan's fine with the Rangers, but absolutely messes with the Knicks. Yeah. Or, but again, OSEG, that's a big company. That's kind of like Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment owning the Leafs and the Raptors. Yeah. And the Marlies and the Tron- Toronto FC, yeah. Yeah. They, they don't own the Toronto Rock, do they? I don't know. Okay. But I'm not... It also doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. Like, I love the NLL. That is the smallest of potatoes. It's fun. It's fun. I went to a friggin' Vancouver Warriors game a year or two ago. I had a lot of fun. It is small potatoes, though. Oh, it's small, small, small potatoes, but you're in... Well, and, like, for yourself, you're in such a prime location because the Calgary Roughnecks have been fantastic. 
Oh, yeah. Historic, they're like the Toronto Rock. Yep. They've never been just dog shit. There has been a couple rebuilds. But people are like, you know what? We trust the Met. We trust the team culture and management to get us out of the rebuild. Yeah. Where with the Red Blacks, it just, like, I'm not a bit... You know who would be perfect is Adam. Adam's a CFL fan. Adam would probably talk more about this. I don't get a sense that the Red Blacks are good. No. And that's just, it's sad, because, like, Ottawa, it's a, it is a good sports town as much as people will tell you otherwise. Yeah, especially when the teams are winning. Yeah. Like the Sens. Well, that's, it's funny how similar Ottawa and Montreal are in that respect. They're great sport towns, sports towns when the teams are winning. And the Ottawa Senators fan base is stuck by some absolute dog shit. And that's the thing about Montreal. Montreal's kind of like Toronto, is that I view them more as being like, I wouldn't even consider Toronto Montreal a hockey town. They're a town for the Leafs and the Habs. Yeah. Because every other junior team that's ever come through Montreal failed. Every junior team that's been through Toronto failed. The only thing that seems to have not failed... Is the Laval Rocket. Yeah. Which are the Habs. Yeah. But even when you talk about other sports, the Montreal Alouettes have succeeded. And people in Montreal care about yeah, people don't really care about the, the Argos. Argos. Well, it's because Toronto, in Toronto, you can just drive and watch the Bills. Yeah. Or, or the, Lions. the Lions. Although, the Lions won their division first time in 30 years. That's true. Yeah, so it's like, but the but the, with Toronto, they view the CFL as being a lesser market. There, there's people who love the Argos. Yeah. And there's people who love the CFL Toronto. But, overall, they are not being viewed as being like a big market city because they don't have the NFL. And I hate that. I hate the people who would think, oh, I don't watch the CFL because I only watch the NFL. And oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, there are people in the United States who feel the same way. The same argument, people up here that say, oh, I don't watch the CFL because I watch the NFL. Reverse the people of saying, I don't watch the NFL because I watch college football. Oh, yeah. College football is the big game. Yes. So, is Vancouver truly the big Canadian sports city because they have an NCAA team? SFU plays in Div 3. Maybe. But Div 1? Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, the NFL... And I would be interested to see what the... What is the NFL fan bases in states like Nebraska? Or, or Alabama. Alabama or, or Mississippi... Because at best, who you gonna cheer for? You gonna cheer for what? The Saints? No. We gonna cheer for the Saints, the Titans. Oh, here's a good one. The Jaguars, like who you gonna? Tech U- University of Texas versus the Cowboys. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Texas is probably the only state where you could make a legit argument. Their college team is bigger than the Cowboys. And that's a hard argument because of, it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Like, California, there's no argument whatsoever. It's USC. USC. Well, even UCLA. The Bruins? Yeah. That's a massive program. Yeah, but in LA, I would, like, okay, out of the LA teams, do you think USC or UCLA? Or do you think USC. it's USC? Probably USC. Yeah, because... Like, because Matt, the Trojans. Well, yeah. Matt Leinert, I mean, he's even mentioned, people have said, like, oh, you know, people always ask, oh, when's the NFL coming back to L.A.? And it's like, well, 
in the 20 years that they didn't come back between the Raiders and the Rams leaving and the Rams and the Chargers arriving, USC dominated. Yeah. They won national championships. What's wild is, actually, the last time I was in Tokyo, I met a guy who used to be on the Trojans practice squad. Nice. Yeah, he looked like Nick Foligno. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was funny because it uh, turns out uh, Chelsea, Chelsea's uncle, mm-hmm. her aunt's co- like her aunt's cousin, so I guess we're not really related to these people, but like through marriage, sort of. She went, like that cousin's daughter went to, she went to USC. And the guy was sitting at the table next to us. He's like, yo, I, I went to USC. I'm just here. Varsity crew, that's cool. Canadian, I'm laughing. It's, he's like, why are you laughing? I'm like, Canadian university sports just do not matter. It's a joke. It's a joke. He's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, where'd you go? University of Toronto. Well, that's a good school, though. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks. Well, it's like <laughs> one of the big running backs for the BC Lions played for the University of Calgary. He played for the Dinos. Andrew Harris. That's cool. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, that's wild, that's wild. But if you play for, you know, given we're up in the Pacific Northwest, if you play for University of Washington, you'll probably at least end up on an NFL practice squad. At best. At, no, at worst, you'll probably make the CFL. Because it's either them or Washington State. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but. but yeah, even just comparing, uh, like, uh, Thursday Night Prime, 13 million viewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, on October 13th versus Notre Dame, like, uh, what do we got here? USC, Colorado, 10 million. Now, that's an asterisk because Colorado's head coach is Deion Sanders. Yeah. Notre Dame versus Duke, 5.5 million. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, this is just a random, a random week, but it's like, college football has huge pull. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like, foot, Thursday night football on... Prime is also free yeah. to Prime subscribers. And so those like, games are a joke. Oh, yeah. Mm. Are we eating on the podcast? Hey, it wouldn't be the first time. That's awful. Yeah. Do you want to sign off? We've been talking about random bullshit for like half an hour. Absolutely, Tim. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on social media at Third Line Plug. You can also find me on social media at Great White Gipster. And Tim is on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So, Tim, this is going to be the final episode for 2023, which could mean January 8th, Monday night. We're back to the regular schedule. We're back to regular scheduling, and we've got five games to talk about. <laughs> We've got this game this evening versus New Jersey. New Year's Eve versus the Buffalo Sabres. The 2nd of January in Vancouver to play the Vancouver Canucks. January 4th in Seattle to play the event in Seattle Kraken. And January 6th in Edmonton to play the Oilers. You're good as gold. You're right as rain. You're good as gold. You're right as rain. You take no credit. You take no blame. You take no credit.